welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hive Podcast. Thanks for watching it and listening each and every week. I really do appreciate your guys' support. Boy, do we have a great guest in store this week. If you are anywhere remotely into drones and you watch drone stuff on YouTube, you're going to be excited for this week's guest because we have Billy Kyle joining us. What's up, man? What's going on? Thanks for having me on, Jared. Yeah, man. Super stoked to have you on. You have a fantastic channel. And for anybody listening, I mean, Billy is like one of the OG drone YouTubers <laughs> out there. Like, I didn't realize until I was doing some research for this recording. Like, I know you're your drone channel, but dude, mm-hmm. I had no idea how long you've been doing it. It's been a while. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I started like back in high school. I feel like I had a really early jump. Um I ended up like saving a ton of money going into my college, uh, my, my, I guess, college career, uh, going into college. And so I thought, okay, I've got all this money saved up. I should probably save it for food, save it for, you know, uh, emergencies. No, I bought a drone. <laughs> I spent all my money, bought a drone. And I'm happy that I did because it's pretty much been life changing. Um, but yeah, I started out with the original Phantom 4. And I think that really like the big boom with drones was that original Mavic Pro. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely was. Um, I have to ask, okay, so did I describe your channel right? Was it's ba- That's basically it, right? Is drones. Yeah. I'm, I mean, so I, I didn't want to corner myself into calling my channel something with like drone in the title, right? Oh. Because when you do that, you can only make drone content. Um, and I try to make stuff that's like helping people shoot better with their drones, whether it's photography or videography related. So sometimes that means talking about a computer that's good for editing photos and videos. Sometimes it's about talking like about a phone that is going to be good for flying with. So it's a video I wanted to make and it's just kind of fallen down on my priority list. But um, like the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2 is a great phone to fly with because you've got a tablet in your pocket, right? So I try to cover everything from like a uh, drone flyer's perspective. I guess that's a good way to put it. And Um, I've tried to do other things. I wouldn't say they flopped, but most of my audience is there for the drone. So at the end of the day, yes, I'm a drone channel. (laughs) Yeah. But you still, that you, you, you nailed it though. You still review stuff and go over stuff related to drone flying, even though every video might not be about a specific drone. So you started Mm -hmm. off with the original phantom four is what you said. Yes. Yeah. Awesome, man. That, yeah, that, that kind of dates you a little bit. (laughs) Well, it's kind of crazy to think. They have, but it's kind of crazy to think that in terms of like Phantom, we're still on that Phantom 4, right? Like we've still got the Phantom 4 standard, but I guess it's been now, uh, you know, surpassed by the Phantom 4 Pro. But regardless, it's kind of strange to think that that was my first drone and that still hasn't been, you know, upgraded by a new Phantom, uh, which I think I was on another, uh, I was on like a live stream and someone had said, um, I was talking about the Phantom 5 and in 2017, I made a video about my Phantom 5 wish list. And there's no Phantom 5 yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't Are we going to get a new Phantom? I, I don't know, man. Like, because the small consumer, prosumer drones are so good. And we're already getting to, like, 
one inch sensors on the Mavic Pro 2. Um, mm-hmm. The Altel is like an 8K sensor, which is yes. insane, right? So, exactly. is there an is there really a need for this big, like this middle ground from like the prosumer, which we have like mm-hmm. gnarly ones, and then like the the consumer prosumer size ones? Is there is there still middle ground for for like a phantom size drone? You think? I think that that's a really valid argument because like any day of the week, I'm using my Mavic Two Pro, regardless of really what the job is or what I want to do, because mm-hmm. it's so easy. Um, with some of the smaller drones, Mavic Air Two can even fit inside of like a sweatshirt pocket along with the remote, right? Like it's really easy to carry around. But if you look at like their full entire lineup. You've obviously got the Mini. You kind of work your way up from there. But then their highest prosumer drone, like you said, is the Mavic 2 Pro. And then you've got to jump from there to the Inspire 2. That is like a massive jump. So I find that the Phantom is like that really good middle ground. Uh, And I think that if they basically added and, and beefed up that platform, it could be something that's very viable. I mean, imagine a drone of that size carrying like a micro four thirds sensor, for example, right? And featuring more obstacle avoided sensors. Yeah. Or you could change out lenses or something would be really cool. Yeah, that would be huge. So basically try and take like what a smaller platform can't do with maybe, like you said, interchangeable lenses or a larger sensor and make use of that bigger platform with more space, more motors, more power in order to use it. So I think that there's still room for it, but it's just kind of like whether or not DJI thinks that they should come out with one or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem I mean, they're, they're really hammering away at that like entry level kind of area with just some of the mm-hmm. smaller drones and probably because they've seen, I mean, they're marketing, they're pretty good at marketing and sales that that's where they're going to make a lot of their money. Right. Because they're probably going to sell more Absolutely. of those than they would this, this middle-class drone. So even if it's in the works, it might still take a little bit longer just from, just from a business aspect. Right. Even though it's, you're totally right. Want. I mean, you've got to also wonder why they haven't come out with like an Inspire 3 yet. I mean, now we're talking at the very top end of their lineup. Mm-hmm. But also you think about like their competition. There's really no competition when it comes down to the Inspire lineup. Like you, we've got Sony's Air Peak drone coming out, which is going to, you know, potentially kind of disrupt the space. But it's still such a different offering than what the Inspire 2 is. Right. So uh, another reason why maybe they haven't come out with a Phantom drone is that there's just no competition in that space. Like there, there's nobody else making these folding drones. You've, of course, got, you know, attacks from all these different directions, like from Autel and from Parrot and a lot of these other companies making drones that are sized like the Mavic. And if nobody's making drones in that class of Phantom, then just like you said, maybe they don't see that it's fit to do do so. All right. So you brought up a great topic that was going to, well, this show is going completely different than I had originally planned because I was going to st- start <laughs> with you, start talking about the YouTube channel, but we just went straight into drones, which is fine yeah. because uh, I'm a tech nerd and I, I love drones. Um, let's talk about competition because um, I think mm-hmm. that's so important that we're seeing competition in that area with the prosumer drones, with Altel and Skydio coming into the market, competing uh, with DJI in the, you know, kind of that Mavic realm. Um, How do you think that competition is going to play out? Do you think that, that they will be able eventually to eat away at DJI? Cause I haven't seen that happen yet. Altel and Skydio are very niche and you see people in the drone community, maybe starting to adapt these and try these out, but you haven't seen the general public even realize they're around yet. Dude, you're so right. I'll post a photo of the Evo on Instagram and the amount of direct messages that I get sent back to me. How like, did oh, you wrap your Mavic? 
Oh, <laughs> or, or that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> how did you get an orange Mavic? Um, but a lot of people just straight up don't know that the Altel Evo exists, which is kind of a shame because it's a great drone all around with great specs. I mean, it's got better flight time. It's got more sensors than what the Mavic offers. It is a relatively newer drone, but I'll say at the end of the day, nothing flies as good as a DJI drone. Um, the one issue that you come across with DJI is their authorization and airspace issues. They tell you where you can and can't fly. Um, and I had authorization to fly this morning, but DJI wouldn't let me. So I actually had to turn to my Evo to use it this morning. And I, I was just waiting for that flight to be over. I couldn't, I, I couldn't wait for it to be over because it just doesn't fly the same as a Mavic. You're used to, you know, driving every single day a Lamborghini and then you go and you drive a Chevy. And there's just this really big difference in between the flight software that they offer. Um, I will say in terms of competition, it's great that we have another option that's like the Mavic, so that's what Altel offers, but I think that Skydio is hitting it from a really good direction in a sense that they're offering something that's totally different. They're offering something that isn't a Mavic competitor, but instead it's created its own class. It's you know kind of like a follow me drone, but at the end of the day, they're really putting their money on autonomy. So that's what I would say separate Skydio from what DJI is doing. DJI has some of their automated modes, but they can't really hold a stick to what uh, Skydio is doing. So competition is really good, but I still don't think there's enough. I mean, right now we can mention three companies that are really duking it out, but let's talk about smartphone companies. There's dozens and dozens and dozens that are competing against each other. So I just wonder that like, you know, in five years from now, if there's still no competition, is it going to remain kind of stagnant? Like, are we just going to have a Mavic 3 in five years from now because nobody else wants to compete? It's kind of something to think about from a lot of different angles. And it's a shame because if there was was five, 10 companies out there making drones. I just wonder where we'd be right now. Would we have something that's so much more advanced than what we have? You know, I think we're going to see, I think in the near future, we're going to see big leaps in the technology and what's coming out, even if it remains just the three that we have now. I totally Mm -hmm. agree with you that Skydio, I think Skydio is onto something more than, more than Altel. Altel has an amazing, has amazing hardware, but I think where you really need to make the difference and where DJI has made the huge difference and they've had years and years of practice ahead of everybody else is the operating software, right? Do you being able mm-hmm. to use the app easily, anybody to be able to pick it up and use it? I think a Skydio offers something that's even more consumer friendly and offers more features for prosumers. If they nail that and then start, you know, dialing in the hardware a little bit better because <laughs> they, they do look awfully weird, but if they can dial in the hardware a little bit better, I think they will pull ahead of Altel quickly. I, I think so. I think with them being like an American company too, there's always mm-hmm. the stigma around China companies that, um, they, you know, will, uh, they'll, they'll harvest your data or something like that. Um, and everybody's really quick to say, Oh, let's buy an Altel over DJI because DJI is a Chinese company, but Altel is also a Chinese company. They are not an American company by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, the, the closest, I guess, to a fully American drone manufacturer we have is Skydio, which is a very big, um, component, I think to a lot of people. Now they do end up making all of their stuff over in, you know, overseas, and then they come here to the United States to be assembled. So it's not directly like made here, but it is assembled here in the United States. And I think from a hardware perspective, their drone is great. They did a good job at designing it with the cameras. Um, it's got an, it's, it's 3d printed, but it doesn't have that like chintzy 3d printing feel. It feels like it's, 
It's nice, solid plastic. But where they really skimped was their accessories, right? Like, I feel like the beacon could have been better. I feel like uh, the remote controller definitely could have been better. They just sourced a parrot remote, and then they just basically put Skydio on there. So if you're somebody that wants to fly your drone, get those photos and get those videos, the Skydio is just not the option for you. You're really just going to be having that thing follow you around. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great drone. I mean, we have, it's good to see the competition coming around and hopefully by competition, totally. you know, competition is going to lower, hopefully pricing or, you know, spur innovation. We're going to start getting a lot of better stuff. So going back exactly. to one of the first questions I wanted to ask you, let's rewind a little bit. So going back for roughly five years, you get your phantom. Um, what, what made you want to start a YouTube channel about drones? So I had started a YouTube channel back in middle school. We're talking from the point that I got my drone five years beforehand. And I started by uploading like video game videos. Me and all my buddies did it. Uh, I actually started by taking like a Canon point and shoot camera, pointing it at the TV and recording myself playing video games. And I remember I didn't know how to edit anything at that time. I didn't even know that iMovie existed. So I would tell myself that I had to be really quiet while I played so that nobody would hear through the microphone me talking. Uh, I would have like the gameplay turned up or the the sound. Um, But from there, you know, I, I kept making new channels. I kept trying different things. Nothing really worked. I mean, the gaming space is very, um, I would say oversaturated on YouTube. You've got to be someone that's very different or like very good in order to really stand out. So I said, all right, I got this drone. Obviously, I don't just want it to sit there. I'm going to go out and fly it. I'm going to upload a video with it. Uh, And my first video was, I would say, about two and a half minutes long of just footage around my area that I live in. And that video got like 300 views. And I said, wow, I think I'm onto something here, right? 300 views. That's so much more than I've ever gotten. Um, And of course, when I got the drone, I wanted to learn like how to use it. And I saw this, this opening in the space like hey there's a lot of people that are um that are uploading videos on these drones they're teaching people how to use these drones but they're either wrong in what they're saying or they just don't convey the information in an easy to understand way so um you know back five years ago i thought to myself i've got this drone let me teach people how to use it and and that's kind of how i got my start and i I would say the best way to get started if anybody's going to be creating a YouTube channel is to source an audience from Reddit. Reddit is a great place to get interaction with other people and you know that YouTube is very algorithm based. So if you can get people from Reddit to come over, view your video and give you critiques, I'd call it critiques, then that's how I started my YouTube channel. So I kind of that's like just advice. grew from there. That's great advice. I have, I, I've uh, interviewed over 50 individuals on this podcast and not one person has said that. So that's great advice. Very unique advice. I have to check that out. That's awesome. Reddit is awesome. It can be uh, home to a lot of people that think they know it all. So you are going to get some trolls that will come over onto your channel. But I mean, that that's how I was able to grow an audience. And um, maybe it's not the way that you do it now, because some of those drone groups, especially are a little bit uh, less active, I would say. But um, yeah, I would say that sourcing traffic from other social media sites onto your YouTube channel is a great way to kind of like prime and, and, and uh, trigger that algorithm to start promoting your videos throughout YouTube. So you mentioned in those early days, there were there weren't a lot of good tutorials out there on how to make drones or a lot of it uh, was incorrect. Tell me about the drone community in those. I mean, even just five years ago, even with just the Phantom 4, even though there's plenty of Phantoms before that, it was still the early days, you know, for, mm-hmm. for the drone community. Um, how how did you get involved to in the drone community and how has it evolved since then? Because it's it's gotten huge and. Um, even though it's big, it's still kind of a small world. Like a lot of you guys, 
know each other, even though you're all over the country and all over the world. Um, yeah. How, how was it diving into that community and being a part of it? I would say that when I started up until this point, the drone community has just been awesome. Um, you know, just recently, someone who's been really prevalent in the drone community, his name is Rick Halber, passed away. Um, you know, he just fell under bad health. And just to see how many people were able to step up from there and create videos for him, um, you know, get get together and remember him has just been awesome. I just got back from a meetup down in Florida. It was an entire drone meetup, just a bunch of guys getting together and flying drones. And, uh, you know, just being able to share memories about him and, and talk about him with people that knew him more than I did was great. I mean, seeing how much people are there to support each other is awesome. And I would say that the drone community is still a little bit of a smaller community, and that's what enables people to be a little bit more close. I mean, you think about how many people fly drones. It's not as many people as, say, you know, use cameras or drive cars or use cell phones. So at the end of the day, the the amount of people, the amount of eyeballs watching the drone community are relatively smaller. So um, that that's something I really liked about it from the beginning. And I think that community is so important when flying drones because there's so many questions people have. And like you said, I started with the Phantom 4. And before that, they had the Phantom 3, which was, you know, relatively uh, ready to fly out of the box. But the Phantom 3 was like the first drone that was like, you know, you could buy it and start flying it and you didn't have to do like any work to it. Like some of those early Phantom drones, actually, like you had to buy the gimbal separate, you had to attach the gimbal, you had to use like a GoPro, right? So there was a lot of work involved. But as we kind of got towards these drones that you can just take them out of the box and start flying, it really did make a huge difference. Yeah. Now, within the drone community, there's another drone community, the FPV community. And going through your content, you're not big into FPV, right? Was was the DJI FPV like one of the first you've flown or have you flown FPV before then? I've flown before just, you know, very limited, like basically with my buddies, I would fly their drone and that was pretty much all the experience I had. I think okay. before I got the FPV drone, I may have flown FB, FPV like a dozen times. Okay. So tell me about that because that community seems um, even more tight knit and more guarded mm -hmm. than like the average drone community. Why is there kind of a gap between like the overall drone community and these little renegade guys like, you know, we'll just say Ken. Um, all right, so yeah. <laughs> the original Dovo, so, so protective of the, um, of the FPV community. So I would say with FPV, it's, um, you know, it, it's the flying aspect, but it's the building aspect too, right? You get your parts, you source them. I, I did have a box laying around here, but I, I pretty much placed like nine different orders to get all these different parts to build my own FPV drone. And it was like right around that time that the DJI FPV drone was coming out. They asked me if I wanted to try it out early and I said, yeah. So I never built that drone. Um, and I would say that the reason the FPV community is a little bit smaller is because there is a larger barrier to entry. You've got to build the drone. You've got to learn how to fly the drone completely manually, right? They call this full acro. Um, and from there, it kind of unlocks a lot of different potential or, or a lot of different possibilities, you know, being able to do flips while you fly, dive straight down. But then if you pick up like a Mavic from Best Buy, right, 
you can just start flying it. The drone will sit there, hover by itself. It does a lot of the things for you. It's got fail safes built in. So I think the barrier to entry is really high there with FPV. And of course, DJI now with their new FPV drone is trying to like lower that barrier to entry. You just go pick it up off the shelf. You can start flying right then and there. But then what happens when you crash it? You've got to go and you've got to get it repaired. So I see the drone community filled with like three different people, three different uh, types of people. And you can almost look at this as like a Venn diagram, right? So on one side, you've got uh, photographers and videographers. Those are the people that are, you know, buying up the Mavics, the Phantoms, uh, the people that are really using their drones as a tool for shooting photos and videos. And on the other side, you've got the FPV guys that are still interested in, you know, shooting video with their drone, but at the core of what they do, it's flying and it's building. And then you've got people in the middle that like to fly and maybe they fly FPV and build drones, or maybe they just like to fly and they picked up, you know, like the Mavic. And that's the reason that they do things. Um, I find myself falling in the category of, uh, somebody that is more of like a photographer and videographer. I use these drones as like a vessel to shoot aerial photos and videos. That's at the end of the day, the thing that's most important to me. So I never got into the whole building thing, but I'm happy that this FPV drone came out from DJI because now I can experience both ends of the, uh, the spectrum here without having to learn how to solder, how to build, how to you know use beta flight and all of these different components that go into making an FPV drone. Now I would love to get your take on that DJI FPV drone and oh, coming yeah. from someone that wasn't deep into the FPV community and and has more experience flying GPS based drones than FPV drones because I think a lot of the videos and reviews we see out there about the FPV drone are coming from FPV drone channels and pilots mm. because they're kind of the go-to to go to when you're when you're wanting wanting to watch stuff about FPV, but I would love to hear from someone that's kind of just diving into it. How how good is the drone for someone that has no experience in FPV? Yeah, look, I love it because it first of all lowers the barrier to entry. At least you can get the drone in the air without having to build it, right? Um, so you don't have to build the drone. It makes it a whole lot easier to start flying. And then once you get in the air, they've got all these different modes to cycle through to kind of work you from just being, you know, a, a GPS flyer in the normal mode to now a full manual flyer in full acro. One of the biggest things that they have kind of in this list or, or in this um, tier of different flight modes is the attitude limit when you're flying in manual. So the easiest way to get disoriented is to be like upside down and diving straight down to the ground. You don't know how to control the drone. But the great thing about the attitude limit is that it keeps you level. So if you try to pitch all the way forwards, it'll stop you. You can't actually roll the drone over. Um, so that's a big help. And then of course, also as, uh, as I've coined it, it's the OS button, the Oh shit button. So if you're flying around and you accidentally get close to something, you can hit the pause button and the drone just hovers. So the barrier to entry is much lower here. And as somebody who hasn't flown FPB before, I could pick it up in about a week. And that's, you know, saying something because I didn't have to build, I didn't have to go and crash my drone and, and fix it. It was something that was a lot easier because of you know dji and their fpv drone was that picking up full manual in about a week or just like mm -hmm. into the sport not nice that's awesome yeah. i see I, I i had like the dozen flights beforehand so i kind of knew what i okay. was getting into but you know after a week of flying for a couple of hours every single day moving from that normal mode to full manual mode uh just having all of those different like flight modes built in, but also the fail safes built in gave me that level of comfortability to just, you know, fly the drone in full manual and know that if something's going to happen that I can save myself by hitting the pause button, or I can save myself by like flipping up into normal mode and, you know, getting out of trouble. Nice. So staying on the subject of DJI and especially the FPV, 
This is a topic I heard you and Ken talking about when you went on drone brews. And I thought this would be an interesting topic to inform people about. And so this is a a little controversial, but it's with um, because FPVs crash a lot, right? You're going to need to fix them. The DJI FPV is not really meant to be fixed at home. I'm sure some people could figure it out, but you're going to have to send it in. So they offer their refresh plan, right? That you can basically pay a deductible and get a new drone. Mm -hmm. Now, is that worth it? Because from what I'm hearing is that it's, it's pretty expensive and the, the deductible is pretty high. You're basically paying 70% to get the drone, right? Repaired. Exactly. Yeah. When you look at the percentage of it, like to get a new Mavic after all said and done, you basically pay twice. You pay that upfront fee and then you pay a much lower cost in order to get it replaced. So you're still paying about the same for both drones when you get them from DJI Care. But the difference between the Mavic is like 18% the cost of a new drone between like you said, it's like 67% the cost of a new FPV drone. So I fly it like I don't want to crash it. I still take some risks going under bridges, flying close to objects and stuff like that. And luckily I haven't crashed yet. I've taken a couple of tumbles here and there, but I think that if you want to fly it, like you, like you stole it in a sense, like, you know, you're, you're flying it really hard. Having that care plan on your drone is definitely a nice, uh, I guess safety net because if you do crash it, you don't have to buy a brand new drone for the full entire cost. That's true. So it, it, if I had to recommend getting DJI Care Refresh on any drone, it would be the FPV drone okay. because all these other drones have sensors, they've got fail safes, but when you're flying in full acro with that FPV drone, you got nothing protecting you unless you're quick on the reaction and you know can hit the uh, hit the brake. That's awesome. It just looks it looks so awesome. I would not want to crash it, but it also looks very expensive <laughs> to crash because it just does not look crash friendly. When you look at a, a regular FPV that is made to be repaired for like, you know, pennies on the dollar compared to that other one. It's just mm-hmm. insane. You're, you're right. I was flying with a buddy near where I live and I've got like right down the street. It's like an abandoned, like not like an amusement park, like with huge rides, but it's like a small little fair. They've got some slides and stuff. So we go down there to fly. He hit this metal slide and the drone flew backwards like 50 feet and into a tree. And the only thing that was broken was the GoPro on that drone, right? And it was only like the back screen. But if you if you smash into a metal uh, slide with the FPV drone, you're walking away with a broken gimbal and two like at least two front broken arms, um, which is tough because you know it, it it kind of makes you not want to do certain things because you don't want to crash and you don't want to spend that extra money you know replacing it after you just spent all that money buying it. Well, I, I want to go back to the YouTube channel now, Billy, and talk about. Mm-hmm your channel and its growth because you've recently just hit a hundred thousand subscribers, which is, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Did you get that play button in yet? Did you get the plaque? No, not yet. No email, no phone call. I don't know when it's coming. (laughs) Oh man. You gotta, I think you gotta reach out to them at some point, man. Cause, uh, really? Yeah. I I gotta look into it. YouTube it. YouTube it. Cause yeah, uh, right. There's some advice out there about, um, some people had to take the initiative to reach out, but, um, I've got to check it out. I have, I'm nowhere close to getting a play button, so don't listen to me. But yeah, look into it, man, because uh, that thing's going to look sweet in your office. But let's talk about yeah, your growth you. and the success you've had. Um, mm-hmm. What are some keys uh, to your success that you look at that practices you've implemented into your channel to help it grow and get to this point? I mean, five years is a long time, so it, it, it shows people that overnight success is is pretty rare on YouTube. For the most part, it's yeah. going to take a lot of hard work. So what went into getting to this point. 
I would say the biggest thing is just like consistency, right? Uh, so I, I found that like when I first started, uh, one of my biggest early influences, and I think that a lot of people can pull from this, it was Casey Neistat. I saw that he was daily vlogging, uploading every single day. I said, all right, if I want that success, I've got to upload every single day. And for like the first year, I was on the point where I was uploading almost every day, maybe every other day. And that was great in the beginning to, to see that, you know, I was doing the numbers that I was with all of those uploads and whatnot. But then I kind of took a step back and I said, well, at this point in time, sometimes I'm only uploading because I just want to get that next video out. And, uh, you know, I just want to kind of like get it off my spreadsheet, you know, check it off as done and move on to the next one. But then I kind of took a step back and I looked at it and said, instead of just kind of getting it done, I want to get it done right. Um, so from there, I put a lot more effort into my videos, each video to kind of make it the best that it could be. And from there, I noticed, you know, much better viewership, in my opinion. Um, and I noticed that a lot of the people were engaging more because it was helpful to them. So rather than just pumping out anything that I could think about, I'd kind of take a step back and work on larger video projects. Um, and kind of from there, my, my mantra went from instead of being quantity over quality, it was quality over quantity, right? I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just putting any old video out there, but I was actually putting all that I could into that video. Um, and I think that that's something that's really come across recently, uh, just trying to cover multiple topics, even though I might upload like a flurry of videos in a week because a new drone dropped, I'm still putting a ton of time into those videos because think about how long those videos are being viewed for, right? Mm -hmm. You have some videos that are still getting viewed a year ago or, or from a year ago. So that's, that's been a lot of, a lot of where my success has come from, I think is to try and stand out and to try to just make sure that your, your quality of your content is, is as high as it can be. Yeah. I think that's so true that, you know, in the early days, it was all about, like you said, all about quantity and getting it out there. But mm -hmm. I think everybody's kind of taste and what they, what they consume content wise has evolved like anything. And now it's, you need to look at quality first, how much, like what quality can you deliver consistently and find yes. that, that balance of like, okay, this is the quality I can deliver consistently this amount of, you know, for this many videos a month or whatever it is and just aim mm -hmm. for that. And as you get better, your quality will go up and probably the amount you can deliver can go up too. So it's just, it's practice, yeah. right? Just getting started and getting that content out there. And I think that consistency doesn't mean like, hey, I need to upload a video every single day or, hey, I need to upload a video every other day. But I think that when consistency is right there with quality, meaning like you are consistent in the quality you deliver, then you're going to find that success. Because if you're just trying to pump out like a certain amount of videos, it's it's difficult to try and match the quality. So if you, instead of trying to match the number of videos, you're consistent with the quality, that's when the success starts to come, in my opinion, because then people will start, you know, you know, really enjoying your content. Most definitely. So uh, another question I had in mind, I had to ask is, um, how did you and Ken, the original Dobo, become such good friends, man? Because you guys are such polar opposites. If anybody is, uh, yeah, right. uh, knows the drone community, uh, Ken's been on the show, I've been on his show, he is a hilarious guy who's big into the drone community. Um, I love talking to him about real estate photography because that's like my main gig and he does it a lot too. But he is just like, Billy, you're like the nicest guy, right, out there. <laughs> and then Ken is, well, he's the complete opposite, right? He's a jerk. He's, yeah. he's very like brash and just he's rough, but I he's love him. How in the world did you two become such good friends, man? 
Well, I think it's like the good cop, bad cop thing. Like, you know, <laughs> opposites play off each other really well. Uh, he is the best follow on Twitter because the comments he gets are hilarious. And his response is usually F you. I mean, you probably when you had him on a sh- on your show, you had to like have the bleep button nearby. Right. As like a just in case. <laughs> I think I told him before like, we recorded. I'm like, all right, we're keeping this is a clean show. Clean show, yeah. Ken. <laughs> You've got to like mark down like timestamps like, okay, at 41 minutes, he said this. I've got to make sure I bleep that out. Uh, No, but you know, so it it all started. I don't even remember what the year was, maybe two, three years ago at this point. He had he was starting like a like a live show and I was like, hey, let me be your co-host. And it was like out of nowhere because like we really didn't know each other. Um, and from there, like I found him as a really good uh, person to like bounce ideas off of, especially if you've got somebody in your space, like having somebody that um, first of all, I don't think anybody's like competition within YouTube. I think that everybody's really good at supporting each other. It's not like I get upset because somebody's video is doing really well. Like I pump them up because I know that my time will come and I would expect them to do the same for me. So when I see, you know, or when I, when I think of something that I want to do and I ask Ken for it, he tells me exactly what I want to hear. He tells me exactly what I should or shouldn't do. And I think the other way around is like when he tells me something that he wants to do, that's absolutely crazy. I try to bring him back down to earth. So it's kind of a good, uh, I would call it in a sense partnership because we can play off each other pretty well. I, that's man, you brought out such a good point. And it, it's so true that within the creative community, because we're not always surrounded by fellow creatives where we live locally it's so important to be able to to develop those communities uh oh yeah wherever it is on youtube or or twitter or instagram and be able to support each other and what they do and youtube right it's not a competition like you said once once you get into like a youtube niche everybody's there for the most part i'm not going to say every niche but for the most part uh at least in the one we're in with a lot of the you know photography and filmmaking it, it is very very supportive And it's great to see that, you know, come across just, you know, through your videos and through Ken's videos to see that that friendship. And and, uh, it's I've loved it seeing you guys support each other. He's hilarious. Thank you. Um, Man, that that pretty much wraps all the questions up I had for you. It's been a great show learning um, about you and your channel and your take on drones. I, I think the last question I have, though, is what is going to make the perfect drone for you? If you could take any of the features um, that are out now or rumored to come out, uh, what would the perfect drone consist of for you? Okay, so first of all, I'm going to throw FPV out of of the window because I don't know enough about it. Um, I think that full manual flight is a lot of fun, but just like we discussed at the end of the day, I I use these drones for like photo and video, right? Right. Um, okay. So I would say like the perfect like design would be a little bit bigger than the Mavic because you know, the Mavic is a good size, but I think that if they made it a little bit bigger, they could fit a lot more into there. So, and more power too, right? So it could be a little bit more stable. Bigger motors would be great. Yeah. Hey, all right. I, you're getting the exclusive on this. I lost a Mavic Air 2 the other day. Oh man. Um, (laughs) super high winds. I was over water about uh, 1,200 feet away, and I had about 25% battery left, pushing the drone forwards uh, in sport mode, and it was flying seven miles an hour the other way, oh, right? Man. And 5% battery left over the water. I just turned off my remote and I left. Like, I, like, I'm not getting this drone back. So, yes, I mean, bigger drone is better in the wind. The Mavic Air 2 being smaller couldn't handle winds that probably the Mavic 2 Pro would have had no problem at least, you know, puttering towards me at five miles an hour. So um, 
I, I really like the Evo's body style, the Altel Evo, in a sense that it's got a lot of sensors on it, um, in the sense that it carries a big battery to get you 40 minutes of flight time, in a sense that, um, well, no, I, I don't like the orange. I'd probably still go with like a gray. But those two things are huge from, from Autel's Evo. And then if you can mix that with like DJI's flight software so it flies better, if you could put that same Hasselblad camera on the front, maybe with like a micro four thirds camera or something that's just a little bit bigger than the one inch sensor. Um, keep that variable aperture, uh, keep, you know, OcuSync 2, even though now we've seen like um, OcuSync 3 in the FPV drone, which I'm sure will just, you know, continue to build upon with their whole entire uh, platform. I think that that would make the perfect drone. So to summarize my ramble, uh, Evo body with Mavic's camera and flight software, you've got a you've got a killer drone right there. And I'm I'm hoping that that's what DJI does with like the Mavic Three in the future, right? Yeah, I think you just described the Mavic Three that we're gonna we're gonna get. Yeah, right. Hopefully, with it. I mean, it's been a while. We'll see. We'll it. See. Re- I mean, dude, I'm looking back at it, and the Mavic Two Pro is coming up on being a thousand days old. Like, that's old. I can't in tech, believe man. that. That's it's really old. Like in two tech. and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Crazy but old. but it just goes to show, like we talked about competition-wise, right? There's not much of it. There, there really isn't. Well, Billy, it's been a great conversation. I'm sure we could talk for hours about drones, but we <laughs> won't bore the listeners, <laughs> the viewers. But hey, if anybody wants to follow along um, on your YouTube journey or wants to learn more about drones and how to take better uh, pictures, make better videos, where can they follow you? Yeah, I'm pretty much right now on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. You can just look me up, Billy Kyle. I'm the first person that comes up. In fact, one of my original goals, there's a jazz pianist from, I don't know, like the 60s that comes up before me because his name was Billy Kyle. So my goal was to get above him. So uh, yeah, just look up my name, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll come up. All right, Billy, thanks for coming on the show, man. I'll talk to you later. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me, Jared. Well, guys, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Billy is a really great guy. And if you want to learn anything about drones, I highly recommend you checking out his channel. And of course, it'll all be linked down below in the show notes or the description of the video if you're watching. And if you are watching and you've enjoyed this episode of The Hive Podcast, make sure you give it a thumbs up, rate it in the Apple Podcast Player if that's where you're listening. It really does help the show get out there to more people. I appreciate it. And as always, I'll talk to you guys next week.